Good morning. Well, we are in a series of sermons this month um, called On the Road Again, and I have been teased um, that, uh, you know, I'm probably, I, I should bring out my guitar and do my rendition of Willie Nelson. Um, and to that, I, I can only say a solid maybe. Um, <clears throat> not today, though. It's Easter. We won't do that today. But we're going to talk today about uh, the four roads that we see during the Holy Week. And I want to start by pointing out the first road that I want us to look at, and it's the road to the triumphant entry. And this is something that we read about in John chapter 12. And I want to go back to the day before the triumphant entry. Because people heard that Jesus was in the little village of Bethany, not far outside of Jerusalem. And a large crowd came to actually see him. They were there for the, uh, the celebration of the Passover. And they had heard that Jesus was there and they wanted to go see him because they had heard that Jesus had healed the lame. They had heard that he had driven out demonic spirits from people. They heard that, that through Jesus, people had received their sight when they had lived blind their whole life. And they had heard that Jesus had even raised the dead. And we need to, to remember that Jesus had not long ago, he had gone to his friend Lazarus' home there in Bethany, and Lazarus, the Bible said, had died, and Jesus stood there at his grave, and he called Lazarus forth. Now, you know, it's not unheard of for the dead to come back to life, okay? It's not unheard of. And if someone does something fast enough, someone whose heart is not beating, who could be declared clinically dead, can be brought back to life. I am living proof of that myself. But when you bring someone back from the dead who has been dead so long that the people say he stinks, he smells, because it's been four days and the body has started to decompose. That's a different story. And so the chief priests had a real problem on their hands because these crowds were showing up because they wanted to see the guy that Jesus had raised from the dead. So they knew Jesus was going to be in this guy's town, so they wanted to show up there, and this was causing a real problem for the chief priests. This was, a, this was really a big deal. And the chief priests decided that this was something that you can't just deny. You can't just have witnesses who have seen it happen say that it hasn't happened because there's a living body walking around that was in the grave for four days. And so they decided, they hatched a plan, they decided that they would actually plot to kill Lazarus as well because you can't have the evidence of the Messiah walking around and talking about it. Because many were beginning to believe. The word was literally spreading like wildfire. 
Pastor Andy Stanley said he believes that the excitement about Lazarus was so palpable that it had begun to overtake the very reason that these tens and tens of thousands of people who had come from all over the region to Jerusalem for the Passover, it was overwhelming the Passover celebration itself. So these people came out, they wanted to see Jesus. We read about it, John chapter 12. It says, the next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, meaning from Bethany. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Let me just point out a couple of things there that I think are really important. The first one is the word Hosanna. Mike talked about it last week. The word Hosanna means deliver us now. This was a statement that they were shouting. They were crying it out in response to the fact that the Romans had conquered them and they were now a nation that was captive to Rome. So they are believing because of what uh, the prophets had said about the Messiah, that he would come and set up his kingdom. They believed that the kingdom of the Messiah would be an earthly kingdom. And so they're saying, Jesus, come set up your kingdom. Hosanna, deliver us now. Blessed is the king of Israel. They are ready to, as he gets into Jerusalem, they are ready to actually crown him as king over Israel in rebellion against Rome. What they are saying is, is that this guy might be who we want him to be. Look at Luke chapter 9 and verse 18. Jesus is having a conversation with some of his followers, and he says, who do the crowds say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. You see, they were looking for the Messiah. They were looking and hoping that Jesus would be that person. And Jesus goes on and says to his followers, who do you say that I am? That's where Peter utters the line, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. The city is prepared. The people from that region, the people from Israel, they're prepared literally to crown Jesus as the king. What they are saying is, you know what? This guy just might be who we want him to be. He might be the one that is going to set us free from Rome. Let's go on to the second road that I'd like to look at. That's the road to Golgotha. You might not have heard that word before. We'll define it in just a moment. But Jesus is arrested on Thursday following the Last Supper. And he's tried four separate times between Thursday night and Friday. Pilate has Jesus flogged. The Bible says that it was a cat of nine tails. 
This was designed to be extremely torturous. It literally would have shredded Jesus' skin between his knees and his armpits, and and literally some of his internal organs may have been exposed in that process. But this was a form of torture that generally was, was done all by itself. There was nothing else needed. This person would have been left physically devastated, probably would have died uh, following that. And, uh, and Pilate had him flogged because he thought that's all that it was going to really need. And Pilate even asked Jesus himself, are you the king of the Jews? The soldiers, they shouted, hail, king of the Jews. And then the Bible says that they, they slapped him. They punched him. They, they spit on his face. They, they pulled out his beard with their hands. They mocked him. They put a crown of thorns on his head. All the while, the chief priests cried, Crucify him! Crucify him! Crucify him! How fickle the people are. Because five days ago, they had lined the streets and cried, Hosanna! Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Deliver us now. Set us free from our Roman oppressors. And now they cried, crucify him. In Mark chapter 15, I want to read verse 22 and then jump down to 29 and 30. It says they brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Those who passed by him, this is as he's hanging on the cross, hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, so you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. Five days was all it took to go from Hosanna to hanging on the cross and suffering these terrible insults. On Sunday, they said, you know what, this guy, he might be the guy that we're looking for. But on the road to Golgotha, that short little road between the city of Jerusalem and just outside the city walls where the cross was placed, he, amid all of these insults, amid all of the mockery, amid all of the torture, we hear Jesus' voice rise above the rest when he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As he hung on the cross. Those words were not the first time, that occasion was not the first time those words were uttered. David prophetically wrote those words 600 years earlier. And some might say, well, Jesus was just trying to make it like he was the Messiah. Let me ask you a question. If we took a railroad spike and we drove it here in between the bones in your, in your arm, in your wrist... Do you think that you could quote uh, Socrates? You think you could pull up a, a, a quote from American history from a couple of hundred years ago? Do you think your mind would work that well, that you could endure that pain and, and, then, and then mentally pull that quote out? I don't think so. 
Jesus didn't say those words because he was trying to copy David. David spoke them prophetically that Jesus would speak them. Here he is, the Messiah, hanging on the cross. And in the midst of the disappointment, in the midst of the disillusion, in the midst of the doubt on that road to Golgotha, the people thought to themselves, you know what, he's definitely not who I wanted him to be. Let's talk about the third road, the road to the resurrection. Between Golgotha, where Jesus was crucified, and the tomb where he was laid, it's about a half mile, according to historians. Jesus was on the cross on Friday they confirmed that he was dead. They, they would not allow him off the cross. In fact, and I, I've talked about this in previous years, um, in history, there is no one that is recorded that has survived a crucifixion. There, there are a couple of instances where people were taken down prematurely and with the best medical attention possible could not survive. So the fact of, of determining that Jesus was dead is simply a matter of history that no one has ever survived crucifixion. The, the centurion, the soldier that was in charge, he thrust his spear into the side of Jesus and blood and water flowed. Jesus' body was already dead at that point. They take him off the cross. Pilate had to confirm that Jesus was dead. The soldier had to confirm it. Jesus was dead. He's taken and he's put in the tomb by a man named Joseph of Arimathea. Friday night, Saturday, Jesus' body lay in the grave. Sunday morning. And then on, at dawn on Sunday morning, Mary Magdalene comes to the tomb. The Bible tells us that there's a violent earthquake that takes place. The angel of the Lord has rolled back the stone. The guards have literally fallen down and they are like dead men. The angels say, he is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Let's look at John chapter 20, beginning at verse 11. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying as she wept. She bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Despite all the miracles, she had no doubt watched Jesus do many of the miracles that he did. Despite all of those miracles, despite the angels that she had just spoken with, Despite watching him die on the cross, seeing the tomb uh, 
open and Jesus' body not there. Despite talking to Jesus face to face, she could not bring herself to believe that Jesus was alive. This went against every expectation that she had. She says, they've taken my Lord away. She's in denial. She said, tell me where they put him and I will get him. She was thinking to herself, you know what? This hasn't turned out the way I thought it would. You see, I thought that Jesus was going to set his kingdom up on earth. I thought that Jesus was going to bring us freedom and deliverance the same way that he brought her freedom and deliverance um, in her own life, being set free from, from the demonic possession that she suffered. Jesus is going to bring that freedom to our country, to our people as well. She was in denial about what was happening. But she wasn't the only one. Even after Jesus began to appear to his disciples, we read in John chapter 20, verse 25, that Thomas, one of them, says this, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Thomas said, I don't care, Peter, if you've seen Jesus until I see Jesus and I can touch his hands and touch his side, I won't believe. Some people that are on the road to resurrection, they say, you know what? It really looks promising. But I just am not convinced I don't know if there's really enough proof for me. And then the fourth road, this is the road to Emmaus. Later on Resurrection Sunday, there's a couple of Jesus followers that are walking from the city of Jerusalem to a small town called Emmaus, about six or seven miles away. And as they're walking, they are undoubtedly talking about what's been happening throughout the entire Passion Week. They're talking about Jesus. They're talking about how he has not only been crucified, but, but all of the details surrounding it. And out of almost nowhere, Jesus comes up alongside them on the road and he begins to walk with them. And they didn't recognize who he was. I can imagine Jesus thinking, I'm going to have a little bit of fun with these guys. And so he says, hey guys, what are you talking about? What's new in town? What's going on? And this literally took the wind right out of their sails. They were, they, it, it literally was like a gut punch to them. They, they, they stopped in their tracks. They were downcast. They were, they were just absolutely uh, depressed. And they, they said to Jesus, dude, have you been living under a rock or something? It's in the Greek. If you look there, you'll see it. Have you been living under a rock? Do you not, have you not heard about Jesus? Haven't you heard about this guy that we, we, we really felt he was the Messiah? We really felt that he was from God. I mean, he, he healed the sick. He raised the dead. He cast demons out of people. This guy had the power of God, and we thought that he was going to set us free. We thought he was going to deliver our nation from Rome. They crucified him. 
And, and, and literally now we, that we don't know where his body is. Let's look at Luke chapter 24, starting at verse 21. This is the guys on the road. They said, we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. Jesus told them in three days, I will rise. They're like, it's the third day and we don't have his body. We don't know where he is. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. What was amazing about this was that they were having to listen to the opinions of women. This was Culturally, this is different than us today because a woman speaks and, and what she says carries the same value as what a man speaks. But in this culture, that was not true. They said, hey, Jesus' body is gone. Uh, we're going to have to go check that out. It's the truth. They said, we saw angels. I want you to look at what they said. Look at it. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels. They didn't even believe these women. They're calling it a vision. The women said, we saw two angels. The men said, they had a vision that they saw two angels. Do you get what I'm saying? Do you, it's, it, it, it sounds pretty similar, but really it means we don't believe you. They came and told us they had a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb because we don't believe women and we have to confirm it and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. They had heard about Jesus' body being gone. These two guys on the road to Emmaus, they had heard about it. Word had traveled quickly that day. Jesus' body was not there. The tomb has been rolled away. The angels have said that Jesus is alive. They had hoped that Jesus was the Messiah, but there's no proof because there is no body. There's no body. So Jesus is standing there walking with them on the road. And he begins to explain everything that the Bible says about him from the Old Testament. All the prophecies that were made. And he explains it to them. And they begin to understand. They're so excited about what's happening and the way they feel when they're with this guy. They're almost to Emmaus, and they said, listen, it's the end of the day. Let's, let's get some dinner together, and you can, you can bunk where we're staying and continue on your travels, but let's kind of hang out together tonight. This is great. And Jesus said, sure. So they sit down for a meal together, and Jesus literally begins to distribute the meal. And the Bible says that God at that moment opened their eyes and they saw that this was Jesus. 
And they said, it makes total sense. As he spoke and as he told us about what the word of God said, our hearts burned inside of us. And at that moment, Jesus disappeared and was gone. Look at Luke chapter 24, starting at verse 33. After all of this happened, they were so excited. It says they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. They had already got to the end of the day, really, for traveling. This is six or seven miles. This could be another hour and a half of walking. Maybe, maybe a little bit longer, maybe a little bit less, depending on how fast they went. But they had to get back to Jerusalem to tell the others what they had seen. They found, there they found the 11 and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true. The Lord is risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what, they, what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. It is true, the Lord has risen. What they were saying that day on the road to Emmaus is this, that Jesus is who he said he was and he is alive. Let me ask you a question. Which of these roads do you think you're on? Because I think that these roads really exemplify a place where, where we are. It's, like, it's kind of like a continuum also. Where on that do you see yourself? Are you on the road that says that, you know, Jesus just might be who I'm looking for? You know, the word's not all in yet, but if, if he keeps going the way he's going, if he keeps doing the things that he's doing, if he keeps helping me the way that I think he's been helping me, sure enough, if he gives me what I want, he could really be the guy. Or are you at a place on your road that you can say, he is definitely not who I would want him to be? Maybe you're at that place where it looks promising, but you're just not convinced. There's no body. There's no evidence. You'd like to believe. You're hopeful. But you're not convinced. Or are you at the place, the road in your life where you say, Jesus is my Savior. He is my Lord. Now I want you to know that the good news is that God is still opening eyes today. The same way that he opened the eyes of these two on the road to Emmaus, God is still opening eyes today. I came across an article from 2018 by a man named Darren Carlson. In his article, he wrote about Muslims who accept Christ. And they accept Christ under the, the potential penalty that they will be excommunicated from their families and their communities and possibly even the penalty of death. And these Muslims are coming to know Christ. And in, he, he wrote about a, a, a migrant camp, a refugee camp, and a Persian immigrant Muslim man comes into this refugee camp and he's very upset. He's an Islamic man. He's looking to talk to someone and he finds a man that happens to be a Persian pastor and he tells him about a dream that he had. He said, this dream that I had, I saw a man that was dressed in white. 
And the man talked to me. And he said, stand up and follow me. The migrant said, I asked him, who are you? And the man said this, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the only way to heaven. The Islamic man asked the pastor, who is he and how do I follow him? The pastor opened his Bible. He even asked the man, Have you, do you know what this is? He'd never seen a Bible before. He said, this is a Bible. This is the word of God. And he opened it up to Revelation chapter 21, verse 6, where it says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. And the Muslim man begins to weep and begins to cry. And that day he accepts Jesus Christ as his Savior. The pastor gives him a Bible. And the man leaves. And in an hour he brings back ten others who want to know about Jesus. God is still opening eyes. John chapter 14 and verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. When Jesus said, I am the way, he meant I am the vehicle and I am the road, the only road that will take you to the Father, to God the Father, is Jesus Christ. What road are you on? I'm just going to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Father, I just pray that as we close our service, I pray that you would move in the hearts of people and that you will do what only your Holy Spirit can do, and that is to draw the hearts of people to yourself. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I, I simply want to ask you this question. What road are you on? Are you on the road where you know that Jesus is your Savior? Or are you on one of those other roads where maybe you're dealing with doubt? Maybe the road that you're on is that, you know, it's a solid, it's a solid maybe. You know, may, maybe he is who I want him to be. Maybe you've, you've been in the place where like, no way. Man, no way. I want you to know that God is still opening eyes and I believe that right now God is opening some eyes in this room. If today you feel like God has opened your eyes and you say, I want to be on the road that professes that Jesus Christ is my Savior. If that's a new road for you, I want to pray for you as we close. If that's you, would you slip your hand up so I can just pray for you? I don't want to point you out or anything like that, but if that's you today, just slip your hand up so that, that I can pray for you as we close our service. Father, I thank you that today you are still opening eyes. You are still opening eyes. There are those that are on roads that, that, that lead somewhere other than to you, but you are opening eyes all around our world today. And Father, I pray 
that today eyes will be opened. Father, continue to work in our hearts, I pray. And we thank you and we praise you because Jesus is alive. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.